3: It is the nightcap here on Beeson, hour number three. We're going to talk to Kenny White here in just a little bit. Always love talking to Kenny. And we have ourselves a NBA Finals with a 2-0 series lead for the Phoenix Suns as they win 118-108. to They won game one, 118-105. to So uh, right on the number uh, for, uh, for the Phoenix Suns in back-to-back games. Um, I do want to check on uh, just something that JVT hit uh, heading to break, and it is the
4: updated MVP odds, where Chris Paul, who was... plus, I, It was plus 175 on Monday. Coming into the series. Plus 160 on Tuesday before tip of Game 1, minus 143 after Game 1, minus 150 before tip-off of Game 2.
3: And he's now minus 120 at BetMGM. Uh, we'll see what he pops in uh, any other spots. But Chris Paul, minus 120 after tonight's Devin Booker performance as he is at plus 180, Devin Booker is to win the MVP of the series here. Devin Booker was phenomenal tonight. He had 31 points, he had seven three-pointers, six assists, five rebounds, and the the clutch nature of those shots that he hit, the big-time shots Late in the game, and I also talk about this. This was early on, uh, in this in the first half. You know, he shoots a three, he misses, he follows, he gets the rebound, he kicks it to the corner. Chris Paul hits a three. So, you know, JVT was hitting on this the second chance opportunities. While Phoenix may have gotten out rebounded in the game by three, it just felt like they got the important rebounds when they needed it. Uh, there was a there was a stretch. Uh, when it was a, I think it was a five-point game. Not one, but two offensive rebounds leads to a Chris Paul corner three uncontested. Suns are hitting shots tonight, 20 of 40 from long range, and they prevail. 118
4: to 108. And the other, the 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 others to Giannis yeah. didn't step up. As far as the MVP market is concerned, you mentioned Chris Paul. I think it's a great buyback spot at minus 120, so it's a little lesser juice there. I still think that this is Chris Paul's award to lose. But Giannis is now at plus 500. And based on this performance that you saw here tonight, if the Bucs are able to somehow come back in this series and ultimately win it, He's automatically going to be the most valuable player. There's nobody else that's going to win this award, but Giannis Antetokounmpo. So maybe a small sprinkle at plus 500 if you think that the Bucks have a chance to win this series. Or you can look at the exact series result odds and maybe put some bucks on. Uh, put some bucks on the Bucks. How about that? <laughs> uh, at the the massive plus money value that you're going to get down 0-2, any bet that you place on the Bucks to win the series, not just to win the series overall. But in specific games, Bucks in six, Bucks in seven, you are going to get really good odds.
3: Yeah. And, and I, I just, if, if you think the Bucks have a chance to come back and win this series, I, I wouldn't get cute. You know, I, I get it. It will, mm-hmm. in all likelihood, be honest. But hey, we have seen 2015. Andre Iguodala shuts down LeBron. And that narrative comes out after, I believe it was game three. Three, if my memory serves me, collect. And he ends up winning MVP of that series. So, you know, could Chris Middleton go nuclear? Unlikely, but it's possible. You know, that's so, the
4: argument for Chris Paul winning is the whole Andre Iguodala thing. Like right. that, you know, no matter what Devin Booker does, Chris Paul's going to win the award. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think minus 120 is actually
3: a good buyback yep. spot uh, on Chris Paul because you made a great point, you know, in the last hour. Chris Paul didn't play poorly tonight. No. He had 23 <laughs> points and eight, to 8 assists. He did not play poorly. Drew Holiday played very well defensively. Not offensively, but defensively. Made it tough on him. And Devin Booker ends up uh, hitting, hitting big shot after big shot. So uh, I do think at minus 120, it is uh, is is absolutely worth a look. By the way, your adjusted series price uh, is Suns minus 500. Bucks plus 400 to win the series. And uh, early game... Three-line has the Bucks as a, I believe, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Let's see if that has changed anywhere. Mm-hmm. It is, a, yeah, three-and-a-half all across the board. 2 lead for the Phoenix Suns. That's Scott Seidenberg. I'm Tim Murray. Let's keep it rolling right here on the Nightcap. It is the nightcap here on v live from the Circus Sportsbook. That is Scott Seidenberg. I am Tim Murray. And, boy, we got ourselves a crazy baseball game, which we'll get to uh, a little bit later on in this hour. Bottom of the 7th, it is Washington 8, San Diego 8. And why this is such a crazy game is that the Nationals were up 8 to nothing, eight and to had nine. Max Scherzer <laughs> on the hill.
4: You and I both had Nationals on the first five money lines, slight underdogs on the first fly, first five money line you Darvish against Max Scherzer Scherzer's been excellent ever since April Darvish not so great in his last couple of starts. And Trey Turner has a home run in the first inning, which I called by the way. Yeah, you did. here watching the game. Yeah,
5: so Scott <laughs> was sitting here and
4: uh, he goes, how about a
3: leadoff home run? Now, he didn't see that Alcides Escobar no. uh, had led the yeah. game. Off. Doesn't matter. He's sitting, he Goes, how about a leadoff home run? From Trey Turner. And he hit a home run <laughs> like like a the second run. later. Yeah. So, yeah, that, you were, you were on it. It was indicative of your night because yeah. you hit your, what, like three parlays? I mean, you, you've
4: you've had yourselves uh yeah a, gave out all a decent night gave out uh four team uh, gave out four baseball F5s on rush hour they all hit i parlayed all four and then uh yeah suns in the over but basically the nationals were up 8 to 4 8 to nothing going into the top of the fourth inning and allowed seven runs in the bottom of the fourth to make this an ultimate sweat so 8 to 8 is the
3: score after seven innings out in San Diego once again the phoenix suns now up two games to none as this series heads to Milwaukee game 3 on Sunday night with a three and a half point spread in favor of the Bucks, they lose the 118 to 108. The over hits in both games, and the favorite has covered in both games. All right, let's head out to. Uh... Let's head out to Kenny White, who is uh, no doubt doing his homework. Uh, you've seen it on Twitter. He's got his college football preview magazine out there. Uh, I've been diving into a couple uh, a couple things here uh, in, in the in the weeds, which we can get to a little bit later on. But Kenny, always a pleasure, and uh, I, I want to start with uh, with the Pac-12 because this is a conference that certainly uh, gets overlooked quite a bit. And when you look at this Pac-12. I think it's really intriguing. Um, you know, Arizona State's got a pretty high win total. Uh, USC. Some people think maybe Keaton Slovis, a dark horse, uh, to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, UCLA. We had Brad Powers on the show a couple days ago. Thinks this is a a bet on type of year for UCLA. And then coming out of the north, you got Oregon and Washington. So I don't know how you want to attack it. Whether it be futures, because you know in the futures market, it's wide, wide open, Kenny.
6: Hey, Tim, thanks for having me. And uh, it, it has been, uh, boy, it's been some workload uh, since uh, February. I really started the college magazine, and now I'm working on my NFL magazine, which uh, goes to the printer on Monday. So it's uh, just not been nonstop, and I haven't had a chance to even go back to look at a lot of the college stuff. Um, but this Pac 12 is going to be a, a great conference, I think, this year. Overall, as a whole, I, I've said that uh, college football this year will be the best year in the history of the game because of. All of the extra players, the six-year seniors, the fifth-year seniors who've had four years already of college football and should have uh, uh, been on moving on with their lives, they're back playing again. Over over 1,600 players I've come up with now that are playing in a fifth or sixth year, so that that just leads to so much extra experience on the field. Washington and Oregon are going to run right down to the wire. I think it's going to be a great year. It's going to come down to making those adjustments, and who's who's the better coach out of ball Cristobal or Jimmy Lake? Because both teams have uh, great offenses. Both teams have great defenses. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who starts a quarterback for Washington. Uh, Patrick O'Brien comes in from Colorado State. But they had Dylan Morris from last year. He had A few too many interceptions. But I think uh, it'll be a battle between those two guys. If Morris wins the job, I think that makes Washington a little bit better because that means he's better than Patrick O'Brien. And that's what I do. I'll up- upgrade my rating. I think O'Brien's the better quarterback. But again, if Morris wins the job, He's probably the better quarterback. I'll update my rating, and that'll make Washington a better team.
4: Kenny, let me take you over to the SEC, where one of my favorite win totals is the Georgia Bulldogs over 10-and-a-half, with the exception of that game against Clemson, which is in Charlotte. I know neutral site might as well be a home game for Clemson. Uh, They're going to be favored in every single game that they play, and I expect them to win every single game that they play, even against Florida in Jacksonville. And that Clemson game is a winnable game. They're only three-and-a-half-point dogs to the Tigers there. I love everything about this Georgia team. JT Daniels, 4-0 last year as the starter. We saw what they can do when he is there and when he is healthy. The defense can certainly shut down every opponent that they face. They don't have to play against Alabama or LSU in crossover games this year. And I see them, at worst, being 11-1 going to the SEC title game. How high are you on the Georgia Bulldogs?
6: Not quite as high. Wow. Um, I'm looking at my numbers. I have them 9.5 wins this year. Futures say 10.5 I'm probably going to make a small bet on the under there. I think their schedule is very tough. Um, I love Clemson in game one. Um, I think Clemson's talent is just far better than Georgia's. I'm not a big JT Daniels fan, but I actually do have him rated uh, fairly high, seven and a half points better than the average college quarterback. Um, I've got Georgia the eighth best team in the country. But again, I think that Clemson and Alabama have done such a great job of recruiting they're still a touchdown or more better than everybody else in the country, except for one team. And that's Oklahoma. Because I think they got a great quarterback and they've got so many returning starters. Their defense has finally improved at Oklahoma. So yeah, I'm not as high. I've got Georgia, as I said, eighth the best team in the country. It's rated. Uh, they're very, very good. Love Kirby smart and what he's done. Um, but again, I just think they're a little bit behind Clemson and Alabama right now.
3: Talking to Kenny white at K whitey Vegas on Twitter. Make sure to grab his uh, college football preview magazine. As he mentioned, he's working on the NFL magazine right now. Kenny, you mentioned, you know, teams and, and, and across the country. I'm doing uh, write-ups right now for the VEASAN college football preview magazine, and I'm doing the MAC East at this moment in time. And it's just, it's it's returners galore all up and down. But there are teams that, you know, guys went pro um, and and one that, you know, Alabama certainly had a lot of uh, players leave. And Notre Dame is another one. So I saw today it's nine and a half, I think, wins for them. It's, it, it, it's, it's not a daunting schedule for the Irish, uh, but there's a stretch in the middle of the season where they're a dog against Wisconsin on a neutral site. They get Cincinnati at home as a short favorite. They go on the road to Virginia Tech. Then they get a bye week. Then it's USC and North Carolina. That is, that is a challenging stretch there for the Irish. Uh, they do bring in Jack Cohn from from Wisconsin. So so how do you look at Notre Dame? A lot of, a lot of talent, almost the entire offensive line gone. Uh, they do bring in a new defensive coordinator. So a lot of changes in South Bend this year.
6: Yeah, there, there has been a lot of changes and it is going to be how Jack Cohen uh, adapts to the Notre Dame system. Uh, They've got a lot of talent back on defense. I, I really think Brian Kelly has upgraded the talent level there. I have him at 8.9 wins. So yeah, I'm Slightly under what the win mm-hmm. total is right now, but that's because of the schedule. They've you, you mentioned the daunting schedule. Uh, North Carolina, I think, is going to be tremendous this year. That's going to be one of the best games of the year to watch North Carolina versus Notre Dame. Uh, the Southern Cal being on the schedule at Virginia Tech's a tough one. So, uh, schedule wise, it's a difficult task for Notre Dame. But again, I'm writing ninth best team in the country, but it's going to be up to Jack Cohen. Uh, if he can perform up to, I think, his talents in this system. Notre Dame will be okay. They'll win nine games. Maybe if they get fortunate to get a break or two, they will have a 10-game win season.
4: Kenny, where do you have the Oklahoma Sooners? Uh, I have them as a college football playoff team. I think they'll win the Big 12. I actually think they'll go undefeated. Toughest game, in my opinion, is that Iowa State game, but it is in Norman. And then, of course, you're concerned about a possible letdown in Bedlam at Stillwater the following week. But Spencer Rattler, the Heisman Trophy favorite for a reason. And based on everything that I'm seeing, this has the potential to be the best Oklahoma defense that we've seen in several years in that conference. So how high are the Sooners on your rankings?
6: Uh, they're number three in the country. I think they're a college football playoff team as well. Um, I have them 132 and a half rating, 32 and a half points better than the average college team. Only a point and a half behind Alabama and two points behind Clemson. I agree with you on Spencer Rattler. I think he's one of the top two quarterbacks in the country. They have 15 returning starters on offense and 13 on defense. And how I do my returning starters? It's not games. It's snaps on the field and how many you play. Every time you play 50 snaps, you get a game start. So that means they have 15 players that have had 350 snaps on the field on offense and 13 on defense that have that much experience. This is the deepest Oklahoma team I've seen in a long, long time. It's the deepest team in college football uh, in a long time. So they are outstanding. It's going to be fun to watch. I think their toughest game may be that last game when they are undefeated, trying to finish it out at Oklahoma State. That's going to be a tough task against your number one rival.
3: You can follow Kenny on Twitter at KYDVegas. And and Kenny, you've you've rattled off your your rankings there. Oklahoma three. Uh, Notre Dame nine, um, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia eight. eight, Georgia eight, Clemson, Alabama one, two. Um, so of you know those those are that's not that big a surprise. Knowing those teams are, are are where they are, who's a team that that would surprise some? You know, inside your top twenty or top fifteen.
6: Yeah, North Carolina, I think Mac Brown's done a tremendous job there. And as I mentioned, Spencer Rattler, best one of the top two quarterbacks in the country. Well, Sam Howell is that other guy that I would put in the top two. Uh, Mac Brown has just brought in a lot of talent to North Carolina. They're going to be fun to watch, uh, and they're going to be uh, very well coached. Washington, uh, Jimmy Lake's got a ton of talent there. Um, the cupboard was not, wasn't bare. Uh, Peterson left Jimmy Lake with a great team. Um, they only got four games in last year, and they did get upset their last one. But I think that's a bonus for Lake that he got at least four games under his belt before the real deal this year for him. Uh, North Carolina State is also another extremely solid team. Mississippi is going to be great. Their quarterback, Matt Corral, an uh, outstanding quarterback. I think he's an NFL guy. So Mississippi is really vastly improved. Are you
4: concerned at all? I mean, I love North Carolina also, and, and they're one of my favorite picks for week one is beating uh, uh, Vatek. And I know people say, what about the crowd at Lane Stadium? I just, I really do love this North Carolina team. Uh, are you concerned, though, that they lost so many touchdowns from the two running backs that obviously, they, and uh, Diami Brown? Yes, and Diami Brown. They lost a lot of touchdowns from that offense last season.
6: Yeah, no, they did, uh, but I think they're just going to reload. Uh, I've got Ty Chandler, a, a, gr- a graduate senior, so he's in his fifth year. Twenty-nine starts he's had in his career, so if you do the math: twenty-nine times uh, three hundred uh, by fifty—that's how many starts he's been on the field. Almost thirteen hundred plays in his career, uh, and uh, Brooks, the second-string running backs, another guy with three starts already. He's got good size and good speed. I just think Mac Brown has done a tremendous job recruiting. Uh, They've got talent on both sides of the football, and I think their schedule is very good without Clemson on it, that uh, they could win 10 games, maybe 11 games. It's a tough schedule going to Notre Dame. It's going to be probably their toughest game, I think.
3: Yeah, it'll be a night game game. Uh, but I think UNC, if my memory serves me correct, I believe they have a bye the week prior, and Notre Dame will have just played USC, so good scheduling spot, Uh, but they will be on the road in front of a packed house there in South Bend, uh, and Notre Dame beat them up pretty good uh, on Black Friday this year. I want to go back to Washington, Kenny, uh, because there's there's two things that jump out at me. So if you look at some of the the game-of-the-year spreads, uh, week two, Washington goes to the big house, and they're a favorite but under a field goal, and then, if you look at the Pac-12 futures, and I've South Point pulled up right now, uh, Washington sitting there at four to one. So when you when you hear those, you know, game of the year under a field goal favorite at Michigan and four to one to win the Pac-12, what do you think of uh, of either one of those plays? I think you he was just lost? taken aback by your question. Uh, we
4: lost Kenny there, yeah. but uh, yeah, so. I'll tell you what, you know, I like those plays. I, I do. <laughs> I, 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 I really do. You know, he, he brought up some really good things about Washington, and, and they are going to be a, a good team. And, yes, the Pac-12 does get overlooked. Uh, the problem with the Pac-12, though, is that it's, it's one of those conferences where if they beat each other up, they get no respect. You almost need somebody to separate themselves from the Pac-12 and really to be considered head and shoulders above everyone else in order for the outside to take that conference seriously if Oregon shows up and they're 7 and 1 you know or if Washington has a, has a great run and they're 8 and 1 9 and 1 then people start to take that conference seriously looking at that top team but if they're starting to beat each other up which happens every single year yep. and you're 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 Pac-12 South representative is going to the championship game at five and three, you know, or or six and three. It's not really appealing nationally for the Pac-12. Well,
3: and a couple years ago, um, if Utah had beaten... Oregon, yes, they would have gone to the college football playoffs, absolutely, but they lost to Oregon. Mm-hmm. And you know, this past year wasn't going to happen, but you saw it again. Oregon uh, upset, I believe it was USC, USC in the yep. Pac-12 mm-hmm. championship mm-hmm. game. So, uh, and that's why you know you look at a lot of these conference futures, and you know maybe we could dive into this at another time. But you know, you look at SEC certainly is a little bit up in the air with Georgia yeah. and the talent they mm-hmm. have against Alabama, and then you look at uh, you look at the ACC dominated by Clemson, you know, massive mm-hmm. favorites to win that conference. I mean, the Pac-12 is a conference that's completely wide open. Sure. Arizona State plus 450, Oregon plus 250, USC 3 to 1, Utah 6 to 1, Washington 4 to 1. So it speaks to your point about the cannibalization that they have as a conference. Yeah. And man, there is no conference that's going to benefit more from the expanded postseason assuming we get that 12 uh, 12 team proposal than the Pac-12 because they they do have good football teams yes there's times when they they are down and they've mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. issues when they got to the uh the college football playoff at times um but no i think it's i think it's a very good conference this year um USC is always going to have their questions uh, with with Clay Helton as their as their coach, but I think it's a it's a really good
4: conference uh, from top to bottom
3: this year, and it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to
4: watch. One of the other teams that I wanted to ask him about was his feeling on Cincinnati, and will they be the uh, Group of Five champion, uh, mm. have the best record of the Group of Five? Because really, the only game on their schedule that uh, they're going to be an underdog in is the game at Notre Dame. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I think, right now is. Down to 33 and 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, He could be worth a small sprinkle. Um, I wouldn't consider him, you know, a top favorite but certainly has the talent to put up the numbers to win that award they're going to run through the american conference which is a much improved conference this year um and i can see them being uh, you know a 10-1 team uh with that loss to notre dame
3: yeah they'll play uh, at notre dame uh with the connections there brian kelly and marcus freeman on the notre dame staff but also don't sleep on indiana indiana had a hell of a year right now cincinnati at indiana september 18th That currently a pick Uh, at the South Point. That's Scott Seidenberg. I'm Tim Murray. It's the nightcap. We'll get you some treats and beats on the other side right here on
5: v At Bed
0: 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: It is a nightcap here on VSIN. That is Scott Seidenberg. I'm Tim Murray. Keeping an eye on a wild game out in San Diego. Eight to eight between the Nats and Padres. Almost one of the worst beats of the year. <laughs> and, two, and we both had it, but fortunately it was not. And we were able to uh, cash our tickets, you for a little bit more than me, because you had a four leg parlay on some first fives there. Um, but uh, it was eight to eight, bottom of the eighth. In, uh, in San Diego, in Phoenix earlier tonight, 118-108. To the Phoenix Suns beat the Bucs. They cover the second half number of two by just a point as they get it late in there. And Devin Booker goes for 31 in this game, seven threes. Chris Paul, 23 points in this game as well. Giannis, 42. He did as much as he could. So Giannis goes over his point total. Devin Booker goes over his. Chris Paul just gets there. And uh, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Brooke Lopez all go under. And uh, by the way, shouts to our uh, guest yesterday, who whose favorite play was Brooke Lopez under. Yeah. Able to come home. Uh, so so well done there. But let's get to some uh, some treats and beats. Mr. Seidenberg, the floor is yours. You had oh, a, uh, a first <laughs> five treat today. Mm-hmm. Regard
4: with the Reds and yes. the Brewers. Reds and Brewers. Uh, Reds. It was a pretty much coin flip there for the first five and. I had the Reds on the first five for a couple of reasons. Uh, if you saw, I had tweeted out the explanation there, um, and I'll pull it up here so I can show you guys, uh, tell you guys exactly my my thought process here. The Reds were eighth going into this game, eighth in Major League Baseball in first five scoring. The Brewers towards the bottom of Major League Baseball, just about two point one eight runs per first five. Tyler Molly was on the hill. He is five and one with a two point zero one ERA on the road this year. Faced the Brewers last time, June sixteenth struck out 12, allowed one run in six innings. Adrian Hauser, meanwhile, one and three with a 3.96 ERA at home, faced the Reds and gave up six runs in four innings. So I loved the Reds on the first five. And in the first inning, it looked like it was going to be easy as the Reds loaded the bases in the top of the first with nobody out, only to go strikeout, strikeout, lineout, and not score a run. Then... The Brewers score two runs in the bottom of the first thanks to an infield single and a bases-loaded walk. So in the top of the second inning, the Reds load the bases again with one out and go strikeout, strikeout, fail to score any runs. Male pitched great from that point on, so what seemed like a beat headed to the top of the fifth inning where I most certainly got a treat. With, a runner, uh, with runners on second and third and two outs. A passed ball allowed one run to score. Runner from second goes to third. Another passed ball allows that runner on third to score. The game is now tied at two. And then Connor Barnhart with a single, scoring Tyler Naquin. The Reds take a 3-2 lead in the top of the fifth. And Molly shuts them down in the bottom of the fifth. The Brewers would actually go on to win this game five to three. Good for them. Congratulations. But for the first five, the Reds came away victorious. <laughs> that, my friend, is a treat for me and a beat if you had the Brewers in the first five. Yeah, you were pretty uh you were pretty excited about that one. But
3: uh so that one comes home and um yeah, no real I mean for me, there were, there, there were no beats. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I, I took the points with the Bucs. It wasn't a bad beat. It mm-hmm. was just a, a personal, it was just a poorly played game by Chris Middleton uh, offensively, Drew Holiday, and Brooke Lopez because you, you couldn't ask for more from Giannis uh, with 42 points and 12 rebounds. I, I just do want to revisit, and it, it, we didn't ultimately get there, but how close we were,
4: Scott, to one of the worst beats uh, oh, of yeah. the entire year. Tim, I tweeted it out. If it would have lost, it would have been the worst beat of the Major League Baseball season by far. The Nationals on the first five were a slight underdog against the Padres in San Diego. You Darvish against Max Scherzer. Scherzer's been excellent since April. The Nats put up eight runs in the first four innings. <laughs> it's 8 nothing going into the bottom of the fourth inning. And Max Scherzer... Allows not just a Fernando Tatis solo home run. He also walks the bases loaded. Well, he hit a couple of batters, but walks the bases loaded, walks in a run, so he allows two runs, then gives up a grand slam to a relief pitcher, (laughs) gives up six runs. He's pulled from the game. Oh, what happens? The Padres score again, 8-7 after four innings. Nats hold on to have the 8-7 lead after five. But the game obviously has progressed since then. Yeah, it's eight to eight right now, heading into the
3: ninth inning.
4: <laughs> it would have it was one of those
3: situations where if that had lost, all we could have done is, is laugh. That's at yep. just how stupid <laughs> baseball is. Eight to eight, ninth Still inning out sure. in San Diego. Uh speaking of baseball, we didn't hit on it. There are odds out there for the home run derby. We'll revisit that on the other side. Suns, by the way, up 2 0. It's nightcap here on BC VEASAN is your betting headquarters for UFC 264. We're bringing you in-depth analysis of the McGregor-Poirier main events, plus key bouts on the undercard from our full team of experts, including Blue Finnecaro, Reed Kuhn, and Jordan Sherwood. Sign up for your free VEASAN newsletter to receive our digital guide and tune in Saturday at noon Eastern for First Strike, our live preview show with updates from all of our fight experts. Get everything you need for betting at UFC 264. Sign up now, once again, for your free UFC 264 betting guide at vison.com backslash free. It is the nightcap here on v If you don't know by now, well, where you been? 101 to 108, the final score. Suns beat the Bucks here this evening. Giannis Great in the loss, 42 points and 12 rebounds. Devin Booker, tremendous in the victory, and the odds have shifted in the MVP market now with Devin Booker as short as plus 180 at BetMGM. Chris Paul's still the favorite at minus 120. 23 points and eight assists tonight for Chris Paul. How about this, though, for Chris Paul? Mm-hmm. You don't ever see this. Six turnovers. Yeah. I mean, Drew Holiday, as just dreadful as he was offensively, he did his job defensively on Chris Paul Forcing six turnovers. I mean, there was a stretch in the postseason where, I mean, he didn't have like six turnovers in an entire series. I mean, he was that in the, I'm looking at it right now, in the Denver sweep, he had five total turnovers. (laughs) He had five turnovers in the series. Mm -hmm. He had six tonight. Uh, But he still played well. I mean, and that's the thing. And that's why I think you and I are in agreement that it is actually
4: maybe a buy opportunity for. Yeah, uh, uh, he's, for him to win MVP. He's going to win the award. Uh, Booker was incredible tonight, and Booker can continue to do everything that he did tonight in the next two wins for the Phoenix Suns. But as long as Chris Paul has comparable games, because he didn't exactly have a bad game tonight. It was kind of like game one where Chris Paul's points and his performance overshadowed what Devin Booker did. Booker scored 27 points and no one's even talking about it. Uh, Chris Paul had a decent enough game here in game two to keep him as the favorite to win the MVP. But as we mentioned several times, it's a narrative-driven award. It is a voted-on award, and it's almost going to be a Lifetime Achievement Award for Chris Paul uh, if he wins the NBA Finals. They're going to give him the Most Valuable Player Award.
3: Yeah, I agree, and uh, we will see. Uh, We'll we'll get to our thoughts, early thoughts on game number three coming up in the next segment to wrap things up. But uh, we had teased it. We didn't get to it because the game was going on. The Home Run Derby, we talked about it last night. Uh, The bracket was revealed while we were on the air, and like we expected, there were odds out there all across the uh, the betting market, and there's the bracket for you. Those of you watching on vison.com just as a reminder: Shohei Otani and Juan Soto in a 1-8 matchup. Salvador Perez and your defending home run derby champ, Pete Alonso. Joey Gallo, Trevor Story, your 2-7. Trevor Story, of course, the hometown kid, uh, playing in uh, in Coors Field, and then Matt Olson and Trey Mancini. So uh, we got odds, and uh, I've made a couple bets. Uh, Just just flyers, a little fun, a little little time to have some fun. Um, You know, one matchup I mentioned, Scott, that I felt like even though he had 11 home runs, that Juan Soto was a very interesting play, and I did play it at plus 925. I get it. You know, Shohei Otani's is incredible. He's the favorite for the reason. He's leading the league in home runs. But we've seen it from Juan Soto. The guy's got pop in Coors Field. I think at plus 925 at Circa, which I did play earlier today, I think that's a... That's worth a little sprinkle
4: in it in an exhibition sure. with a guy who's got the pure pop like Juan Soto. Sure. Uh, absolutely. He's got the swing to do it and uh, certainly can get into a rhythm. And that's what it's all about, right? This home run derby is getting to this rhythm. Once you uh, have that swing and the balls are coming in good from your pitcher, you're going to launch a bunch of them out of the ballpark. Uh, I'm still going with Trevor Story, plus 800 on the odds. It's a long shot, but you know what? He's the hometown favorite. The crowd's going to be rooting for him. He knows the sight lines in the ballpark. A little bit of a tough matchup against Joey Gallo in the first round, but he does have the easier side of the bracket, if you will, on that right side of the bracket as opposed to the left side with Shohei Otani mm-hmm. and Pete Alonso. So if uh, Trevor Story can get past Joey Gallo, I think Story finds his way into the finals. And this could be a similar situation to what we saw in D.C. when Nationals Park hosted the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game. Bryce Harper winning the Home Run Derby in front of his home fans as the final farewell thank you Yeah. before he heads out of town because Trevor Story is on the trade block and will likely find himself out of Colorado uh, in the next month or so. So uh, this could be his swan song, a tip of the cap to the fans, and thank you for cheering for me as I win the home run derby. Yeah,
3: 885 is uh, the highest you can find on Trevor Story here at Circa. There's two 15-to-1 long shots at Circa, so nowhere else really has anything like that. Um, as I think many people know, uh, my connection with uh, with Trey and just the story, Trey Mancini. I-, I took a flyer at him, and I know Aaron Oster, our producer, did as well. As uh, this this series has been unbelievable. The uh, National has been so
4: so wacky. Was that Cronenworth? Cronenworth the- oh, at
3: second just made a diving catch into into the, into short or into shallow uh, right field to rob Josh Bell of of a single, and what would have moved a man to third base. Uh, the Fernando Tatis Jr. play was uh, was in this series where he defied gravity, and and yeah. that was another play. Cronenworth leaps up, tip top. A, that's glove. a gold glove play, it's man. Gold glove. This play series right
4: is is wacky. Yeah.
3: It's eight nothing today. Eight 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 now. Baseball's stupid. Yeah, no, base, no. Baseball is stupid. <laughs> we All right. Love it. What about you know? What about Shohei Otani? Uh, you know, for me in an exhibition, I just I, I have a hard time betting a favorite in a. And a home run derby where, you know, we've seen it year after year. Could we? I mean, I'm trying to think of the most memorable home run derby uh,
4: moments. Uh, Josh. Um, John. Uh, Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. Yep. Didn't Maybe, he he didn't stadium. win that year. He did not win. Justin he, Morneau won. Right. Trivia question. So right there.
3: that's the thing. Like, you know, you have these iconic moments of of, of rounds like Josh Hamilton or Mark McGuire and, and Fenway, which I did think he won that won that one. But. Sometimes these guys get gassed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even at City Field, if my memory serves me correct, I think Bryce Harper had a moment like that, a yeah. round like that, where went crazy, and you just gassed out. So um, I just I feel like in these types of things, A, don't go crazy. Nobody knows anything. It's, no, it's, it's for fun. It's an exhibition. It's totally for fun. So take a little bit of a long shot. I love your angle on Trevor's story. Mm-hmm. I, I think Juan Soto has the pop as a, as a young guy, He's starting to get his swing back a little bit. Uh, the feel-good story of Trey Mancini... I would be, I just, at 2-1 to
4: one here at Circa, no way am I going to bet Shohei Ohtani. No, and what also concerns me about Ohtani, and I'm trying to Google it and see if I can find anything here, um, I don't know if he's ever done a okay. contest like this in his life. So, not knowing what the format's like, not knowing how to position, you know, kind of, uh, there's only so much you can coach a guy, you know, he might try to swing out of his shoes and we'll see what happens. Game
3: three of the NBA Finals is on Sunday. We've got an, a line. We've got a total. We've got money lines. We've got everything you need to know. With the Suns up 2-0, will it be 3-0 come late Sunday night? We'll tell you. On the other side, it's the nightcap. here are on Decent.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Wrapping things up here on the nightcap, that's Scott Seidenberg, a happy man today. Giving out some winners. Filling in for Danny Burke. Yeah. At Scotts on Airs, is where you can follow him on Twitter. Always uh, good gambling insight coming out on there. Um, not a great night for your boy, but hey, you live and you learn. We'll bounce back. Uh, and uh, you know, looking ahead to Game Three once again, 118-108, the final Suns win. Suns cover over hits again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Booker very impressive performance. Chris Paul a little bit coming down to earth. Still went over his player prop. Sure. You know, once again, you know, I think you mentioned it It's not like. He was 12-6, and 23-8, you know, <laughs> and eight, yeah. hit a couple big shots. Uh, so, uh, you know, they, they're able to get it done. Um, you know, what was fascinating talking to JVT earlier in the show, and I, I kind of agree with him because, you know, I know it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to go do my, my hit that I do every day in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and the two hosts are going to say, okay, whoa, 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 what do we have to change? I, I don't know. I mean, make more shots. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? You, you need – I thought the defensive – uh, mentality, mindset, game mm-hmm. plan was actually not bad, other than them, you know,
4: slow on rotations and leaving open threes. But you know, as JVT pointed out, that's kind of been their mo all year. Yeah, and and I just found myself while watching this game, and I asked it on the air, like, how is this a close game? Mm-hmm. Because I felt like the Suns should have been up more at some points. But as JVT said, there were points where the Bucks pulled this within six, pulled this to within four. Yeah. And, and when you think about that, and, and, you know, let me take the Suns blinders off here and let me think about what the Suns, what the Bucks were able to do throughout this game, they kept it close. And if not for that second quarter, where they were so bad turning over the ball and the Suns were so hot from three-point range, this is a much different basketball game. And if they didn't turn the ball over every time they got close, if they didn't take stupid threes every time they got close, and if they got any other help from any other player besides Giannis, They could have easily won this game. A 10-point win, this was not indicative of actually how close this game was. I mean, just look at the quarter scores here. Bucks outscored them in the first quarter and the third quarter, and it was tied in the fourth quarter. The difference in the game was that second quarter. And Devin Booker,
3: I know I keep saying it, he just hit big shots, and and you know this guy has really risen to the occasion, Scott. This postseason, you think about the Lakers series, those yeah. games, those close that closeout game, he he hasn't been spooked by the moment uh, whatsoever, and he's he's really played well. But yeah, it's you know that second quarter was just an absolute disaster uh, by the Bucks, and that's ultimately why they lost this game. And Giannis. It's got to look around. You would never do this, and nor should he. But you look at your teammates. You're like, "Come on, <laughs> give me a little something here." Um, but they move on to Game Three, and uh, right now they are a three and a half point favorite. The way I'm going to look at this, and I've done this a couple times this postseason, uh, I played uh, Phoenix in uh, in the first half in Game One. I really like that spot. But there have been two instances where I've loved the Bucks in the first half. Game two against Atlanta, in Atlanta, love them there. Game three against Brooklyn, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when they were down 0-2. Similar situation, Scott. They're going to be a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They will likely be a three-point first-half favorite, a two-point first-quarter favorite. My favorite play, I can tell you right now, is going to be Milwaukee minus two in the first quarter because that's when their starters will be out there. That's where they have the most energy. They play off that crowd. And the depth of the Suns, I think, can whittle away at their lead in the second quarter. We saw it tonight. Yeah. First quarter, Bucks minus two. I'm telling you right now, that'll be my favorite play uh on, on Saturday, on Sunday night, because this is they have to. Yeah. They have to. And You hear this said all the time, Scott. You can't match desperation. Mm -hmm. Mm Monty Williams could say all he wants. The Suns are a better team. Could they outscore him? Yeah, sure. They can make more shots. They're a great shooting team. I just think they're going to come out and try to punch them right in the nose. Well,
4: they came out great in the first quarter here tonight. They did. They outscored them by three points, and it would have been more if it wasn't for the incredible three-point shooting. Eight to 14 from three. And they outscored them 20 to nothing in the paint. So they really had the opportunity to have a commanding lead after the first quarter. What's interesting to me, and it's been talked about before on this network, is the way that the books have adjusted Mm -hmm. to set these prices now for the first quarter, first half in regard to the game. Uh, in relation to the game. Because normally if you would see a game line of three, three and a half, the first half line would be Two. one, one and a half yep. probably. But no, you're seeing almost an e- an equivalent first half line to the game line. That's so rare, but the books have caught on because the, the Bucks in the first half is going to be a heavily wagered on spot. If I could guess right now, and we'll get the we'll get the money bets splits before it happens. But I'm pretty sure this is going to be over 85 percent money and bets on the Bucks in the first half. Yeah, but I do think maybe oh, not money, but 85 percent of the public bets will be over the uh, will be on the Bucks in the first half. And uh, by the way, before we sign
3: off, the San Diego Padres—it's a walk off, walk off with a win. And the irony of this one, Trent Grisham. You remember that name? He was playing right field against the Nationals in the wild card game in 2019 for the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> Bucks on the brain. And he made an error in right field that allowed all three runs to score mm. in the eighth inning. Uh, and he uh, he gets his revenge against the Nats. The San Diego Padres come from eight runs down and beat the Nationals in nine innings, nine to eight. The final, Trent Grisham with the walk-off RBI
4: single. Do we know what the live line was on the Padres when they were down eight nothing in the fourth inning? I I don't. Would you think? I, I mean, I'm gonna. This I mean is, they do. So here at
3: Circa, because yeah. Circa is a sponsor of the Padres, they do live lines. They do yes. in-game lines
4: uh, on the Padres games. So would, would you think? Is it crazy to think that it could have been plus sixteen hundred? Eight nothing, eight nothing with Max Scherzer pitching. Eight nothing, Scherzer on the hill, fourth inning. Plus sixteen hundred, I say. Okay, I mean, I'd love to find out. Yeah. I'm very curious. I'll see if we can get an answer to that. But that, is, I mean, that's a game that you would not expect them to win. Uh, yeah. Their win probability. I can pull up the win probability right now, um, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the percentage was. Here you go. Win probability for the Nationals. As it was eight to nothing, are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. According to the win probabilities, ninety-nine percent. <laughs> it was ninety-nine percent for the Nationals to win the game, up eight to nothing. Eight to one, it was still ninety-nine percent. Eight to two, it dropped down to actually let's see, ninety-seven percent. Once it was eight-six, it went to seventy-one, and then obviously dropped down, and now <laughs> the Padres are walk-off winners, nine-eight. So you said sixteen hundred. I said plus sixteen hundred, yeah. At William Hill, it got as high as
3: 2,500. (laughs) 25 to 1. The Nationals blow an 8-run lead with Max Scherzer and his 2.10 ERA and a relief pitcher hit a grand (sighs) slam. That is... Um, By the way, I'm looking at it right now, just looking at the broadcast. It ties... Uh, it is the third comeback from eight uh, eight run deficit. The in other Andre's two times history, yeah. happened
4: in the seventies. <laughs> oh, it's amazing! Oh, that's unbelievable! That's huge! Uh, if you had listen, if you had Nationals on the money line, better luck next time. Um, the story
3: is going to be Daniel Camarena, who there was a video of. I don't know if it was his brother or his dad. One of his family members was absolutely losing his mind. He hit a grand slam. First career hit in Major League Baseball was a grand slam
4: off a Hall of Famer. And the first time (laughs) that a pitcher has hit a home run against Max Scherzer. Man,
3: what a weird night. What a weird night. First career hit, a grand slam, down eight to one, sparks the comeback. Sorry, down eight two, down eight mm-hmm. two, sparks the comeback. I mean, what are the chances of that of that happening? Daniel Camarena, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Whatever, the dude takes a low fastball, just golf swings it, yeah. And you just gotta imagine, like, what's going through his brain as he is heading towards first base. As they're, they're going to show the video, I, I can't, I don't know if this is his father or his brother, just absolutely losing his mind. Yeah. He's
4: videotaping it. I mean, it is. And, and I encourage you, please watch the replay of this home run, too, because he had no business hitting that pitch. It was a sinking fastball, low, and he golfed it. You're right. Golfed it over the wall for a for a grand slam. That is one of the most unlikely hits you're going to see in Major League Baseball this season.
3: Yeah. So if you had uh, if you had the Nats on the money line, I'm gonna take a couple days off. Yeah. Uh, the The first five was a bad enough sweat. You know, for (laughs) you know, for me, this would have been now. If I had bet the uh, like I did on uh, what was it Uh, Monday night, I bet the the Padres on the run line. Yeah. Imagine this would have been the ultimate. Just kick to the fellas. Oh, yeah, because they win the, the game. The, the Nets fan, but I would have lost my bet. I, I obviously didn't do that. I actually won my bet on this game. Uh, but, man, what a, what a wild game to wrap up. A pretty unique night. Great night for a man, yeah. uh, Scott Seidenberg, uh giving out winners on rush hour and he was sweating those out and the suns win suns cover the over hits didn't look great for a little bit but the over ultimately comes home and now we got ourselves a 2-0 series heading to milwaukee on sunday bucks early three and a half point favorites with a total of 222. a relief pitcher hit a grand slam hey congratulations
4: good for him yeah congratulations Good for him and congratulations for padres money line backers yeah Sometimes sometimes you that's why we call it treats and beats because there's
3: always someone happy yep. on the other side. Hey, thanks to Reed Kuhn, JVT, Kenny White. Thanks to Aaron Oster, our entire production crew, as always. For Scott Seidenberg, I'm Tim Murray. This has been the Nightcap right here on v